Hey, this is Steve, and welcome back to the Endurance Path Podcast. We're on episode 10 already. Kind of flowing through these a little bit differently than what I had planned in the, the first episode, but uh, that's okay, and I might talk about that a little bit later. But uh, this is uh, this is kind of exciting. So anyways, I'm going to talk about the Czech 40 mountain bike race, otherwise known as the Chihuahuagan 40 Fat Tire Festival that starts in Hayward, Wisconsin, finishes in Cable, Wisconsin. It's coming up in less than a month. It's uh, actually the weekend before the Margie Gesick 100, which is what I talked about in the last episode, which was almost two hours long. Uh, This episode will be much shorter than that, I promise you. Uh, And speaking of the Margie Gesick, if you're into those types of races, or I guess if you're into the the 100 milers, the the long distance, check out the the episode prior to that, which was episode 8, the Wilderness 101. That was actually uh, a race report from this year currently. And uh, I know that race is over, but if you're looking for some other 100-mile events to do, new places to go, new areas to ride, things to check out, uh, or you kind of just like to plan ahead for your following year, check it out. Put it on your your list to listen to and see if it's something you might be interested to put in your calendar for next year. Uh, It was a good race, good, good venue, good setup. So again, that's go back to episode eight. And then of course, any of these, if you know somebody that's headed out to one of these races or might be interested in it, um, obviously pass along the, uh, the podcast to them. Um, and that being said as well, if, uh, yeah, do me a favor, go into, uh, iTunes or whatever your, your podcast, uh, app is that you use and give it a rating. (laughs) Uh, especially if you liked it, but if, if you, if you don't like what it is or whatever, you know, give me the feedback as well. Appreciate it. So you can go in and, and, uh, leave a rating in iTunes. You can send me an email podcast at endurancepath.com as well. If you have any, you know, extra comments, thoughts, uh, let me know what you like, what you don't like, uh, and that type of thing. So what I'm going to do here differently with this episode is I'm not going to go right through my race report from the check 40. So if you have, if you've been following along episode three, I went through my 2014 check 40 race report. And I had talked about that. I was going to put out these series of race reports from each year, uh, you know, going to put out the, the 2014. And then I was going to put out all my races from 2015. I decided not to do that. And I don't know. Maybe I'll come back to it, but I don't, I just, I, I don't know if, uh, you as a listener wanted to go through that many consecutive old race reports in a row for races that weren't necessarily, uh, pertinent to the timing. So I decided not, not to do that. Um, I may get back and do some of those at some point, but I think I'll wait until that race is relevant in during the time frame of that race which is why I brought out the Margie Gassick report uh, a week ago because I thought it was really relevant to the race that was coming up. That's why I'm talking about the Czech 40 now because it's coming up in less than a month. Uh, there's one more Czech 40 race report of mine that I hadn't covered on the audio, so I've done it three times. I never wrote a race report for the first one because I didn't have the blog up yet. The one I shared with you was the second one. 2014 was the second time I did the check 40. And then I had also done the check 40 in 2015 was my third time. And that was actually the last time that I raced the check 40. So what I'm going to do this episode is, and I'm going to probably share some experiences from maybe all the races. I might touch on all of, all of them that I had, um, all of my experiences from the check 40, but some of the feedback I, I get is that it seems like, I mean, people really like using the race reports to learn about the races. Uh, and then there is also, there's also a group of people too that they they kind of listening to me go through the race report or reading the race reports. I've gotten this the last couple of years, people reading the race reports is it's, it's kind of taken them to that place. Um, or if they've done it themselves, it's, it's put them back on the bike and, you know, they're re-experiencing it through, through my report. Um, but I really want this to be a, I guess, a resource that somebody can turn to because you don't always have time to sit down at your computer. And I don't necessarily like personally reading stuff on my phone that much. So 
try to do the best I can in a podcast format so that while you're driving to work or wherever you're going, you can turn it on and listen, get something out of it that helps you plan for that race or some entertainment. (laughs) That's would be odd for me to think that listening to me might be entertaining, but, um, at any rate, if it's, uh, something that you find useful, it's great. That's why I'm, that's why I'm doing it. So if, if, uh, if one person finds it handy, then that, uh, that makes me happy. So, uh, let me, let me dive into it. So what I want to talk about is I'm going to talk about the, the venue. I want to talk about packet pickup and I want to just talk about the race course details. And I kind of, I went back into my Training Peaks account and broke the course down by aid stations and that kind of thing. So I want to talk talk through that. So anyway, check 40. Um, I've done it three years. The first year I drove up in the morning of the race. And then year two and three, I drove up the Friday night and uh, got my packet picked up Friday night. 100% recommend driving up there the night before, making a weekend out of it having your packet and everything Friday night and being all set to go. That was a much more enjoyable experience. So some of these races and, you know, different races we go to, it's not just about the race day. It's, it's about the weekend experience, at least for me and how I look at them, you know? So you heard me talk about this for wilderness 101. It, I didn't go out to Pennsylvania just for that one race I mean, it was that race, right? But I went out there for a whole weekend experience, right? It was get there Friday afternoon. People were setting up camp and hanging out with the other racers. And then after the race right there, it was, it was a whole weekend experience, you know? So it was, it's more, it was more than just the race. And so I think in some of these big events, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for the weekend experience and of the whole event versus just, to go race. Um, I talk about that a lot with uh, the Lutzen 99er race up in Lutzen, Minnesota, the Lutzen Mountains. It's They do a fantastic job of putting on a good weekend experience for you. It's it's not just the race, it's it's the experience. Picking your packet up on Friday night, uh, Lutzen in particular, right? The, the Friday evening is, or afternoon evening has kind of grown a little bit more each year. It seems like there's more and more things going on there around the packet pickup area and, and folks hanging out. Um, but you're, 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 it's the weekend experience. And so typically we've, we've kind of gotten into where we make a camping weekend out of it or whatever. And I take, take my wife and kids and, and, uh, and that type of thing. We don't always do it. Sometimes I show up at races by myself, right? Like I made the trip out to Pennsylvania, jumped in my car and, and, uh, and zipped out there and zipped back. And, uh, but I, I still, it was a weekend experience. So the same thing goes for check 40. It's, it's the whole event experience that makes it, uh, a race that many, many, many people, hundreds of people put it on their calendar and that's their thing that they do every fall. Right. So that many people can't be wrong. It's, it's a good, good experience, good weekend event. Um, and that's like the highlight of the year for a lot of riders in the Midwest. So that being said, like I said, I would get up there Friday night. If you go up Saturday morning, it was just, it was just kind of hectic. I mean, a lot of people do it still, but, um, one, you got the drive from wherever you're going Saturday morning and it's, uh, then you got to get in line and keep your bike and it's, I don't know, you spend your, spend your morning it's, it's not like signing into a week, you know, a typical like Minnesota race series, you know, where you stand in line for five minutes and then you're done. Um, I mean, they move pretty fast, but I don't, anyways, I won't go on anymore, but my advice goes up, go up there Friday, the Telemark resort, they have the packet pickup. I think they have some food in there and stuff. If you want to do that, uh, I've never stuck around for the food. I've just kind of picked up my, my packet and shirt and that kind of stuff. And then We've stayed at the KOA campground. It's just a few miles out of town, uh, out of Hayward, just just north of Hayward, a few miles. Um, my kids love it. There's like this bouncy, huge bounce bubble thing that they jump on, um, and there's a there's a little putt putt. It's uh, um, and then they've got these like cool playground with this wooden ship and that kind of stuff. But 
my my kids enjoy that and they've asked in the past like hey dad are you gonna go back to that race again that has that bouncy thing the, the campground with the bouncy thing so um and there's a lot of other racers that have always stayed there we like we've we've camped there and and had friends of friends of ours that we knew were going to the race camping there as well and just it was just a good time like i said a whole whole weekend experience um so the race starts in downtown hayward they actually have an entire street shut down for the race um and then it finishes at telemark resort in cable uh the course itself is uh is a mix well let me i'll wait on the course stuff so um on race morning now, so if you've got your packet picked up and say you're staying somewhere local, uh, they have the the street shut down and they're, the years I've done it, there's been seven starting gates and you get assigned a gate to start at and it's based on your previous year's time. If you're first timer to the race and have, you know, no race results on a re- race resume to submit to them, you know, you end up at the back of the pack, gate seven. Um, and that's like, going back to my first year doing it and driving it up there that morning. Like by the time I got my packet and went and got my bike in line and that kind of stuff, uh, I, there was like 20 people behind me as all when the race started. I mean, I was 2000 people back. Um, and it's not everybody's, you know, going into like race it hard. Um, you know, a lot of people just enjoy riding that, that event. Um, you know, that's, it's a 40 mile, it's a 40 mile event. So it's a long ride. Um, you know, so we, we talk about these like hundred mile events and endurance and that type of thing. And we kind of take for granted of like, I mean, when I went to that thing the first time, I was like, ah, like hope I hope I have no idea how it's going to go. 40 miles is a long ways. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, this, this lot of, lot of, it's a lot of fun. But anyways, that's why I said it. Like, if if you go up there Saturday morning, just know that you're not going to get a good spot in your in your gate. If you're there Friday night, uh, you can go down there at like six o'clock in the morning Saturday and drop your bike off. A lot of people do that. Uh, the second and third year I did it, I was down there at like six fifteen, six thirty in the morning, dropping my bike off in my assigned gate, and there was already a bunch of bikes laid down there. Uh, I think the one year I was able to get in the front row of my gate. And then I think the third year I got down there at like 20 after six, six thirty, And I think I was like three rows back in my gate already or two rows back in my gate. And then when I showed up back there at like nine o'clock, I mean, the gate was like full. And it, like, if you're in gate four or five or something, there might be three, four hundred people in that gate. And, and so if you can get your, your bike sat down in front of, an extra 300 people, that's 300 less people that you have to worry about passing. And again, that, that means if you think you're going to go faster, I mean, that was my goal each time to do it. If I go back again, I'm going to have my bike laid down in the morning because it was two years ago, the last time I did it. And I'm, I'm going to go faster the next time I do it. Um, anyways, so yeah, that, that's the benefit. That's one of the benefits of being up there. But what I would do is I would go drop my bike off and then go back to camp and get my breakfast and, you know, get all my stuff to relax or whatever. And then I wouldn't have to go down to the start line until like nine o'clock. I, you could probably get down there at like nine fifteen, nine twenty. Um, and th- we, we found a place to park, uh, you know, the closer you get to the start, it's a little further of a walk. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, you'll get a place to park and like my wife and kids would drop me off, but they would go ahead and get out and hang out down there until the race started. Um, I take that back. Actually, they, they hung out there till the race started maybe the first two years, but the third year they, they took off. I think they, they come down and hung out until I got in line. And then once I was in line, because you have to be at your bike, uh, I think a minimum 15 minutes before the start. Um, they took off and headed to OO so they could be there and see me come through. Um, but, but yeah, so sorry if I'm jumping around here a little bit, but, um, yeah, it, it, uh, it's just, it's just a lot easier. It's more fun. Um, and that's, that was kind of how that rolls. Uh, so let's see, covered the, that. So yeah, we, let's drive, dive into the, the race stuff then. 
So that's one thing. Yeah, they you have to be at your bike like a long time before the start. So it's hard to get like a warm up in or anything like that. I mean, you could have like another bike to warm up on or whatever, but you're going to stand in the starting gate for 15 minutes anyways. And the reason I, I think the reason they do that is to 2000 people. And if they let you lay bikes down, that means they need to have a few minutes to go through and make sure that everyone's at a bike. Cause if there's like a bike just left laying there when that many people go to take off, like it's just something bad's going to happen. Uh, people are going to go down. So, uh, if you're not at your bike 15 minutes before the start of the race, they'll, they start yanking bikes. Um, you know, some people will lay down a ghost bike to save a spot. Um, but if there's a bike lane in there that doesn't have a race number on it, a half an hour before the race, if my memory serves me right, they yank it and you lose your spot. Now, that being said, if you have your bike sitting in the start gate and you need to, and it's a ghost bike and you need to swap it and you're going to swap it like 30 minutes before the race, it's an extremely, extremely difficult thing to do because when people start laying their bikes down, like I lay my bike down uh, in a row side by side, right? And they're like, you know, kind of handlebar to handlebar going across. They basically tipped upside down. Like I'll come back in and people are like squeezing bikes in between all those. And it's tight. You can't get a bike in and out of there. Uh, and when they do have to pull a bike, it's, it's a mess. Um, anyways, I would just, my recommendation is if you want to warm up on a bike, I would warm up on a non race bike and have your race bike set up and in the gate. Uh, so when things take off, it obviously it's a, it's a gun start. And so obviously when, when you hear the gun, like you're not going to be moving if you're back, you know, if you're gate five, six or seven, uh, it's, it'll take a little bit. And I've heard people like, it's like, ah, it's like five minutes before you even start moving. It it didn't take that long. Like I thought I timed it. I mean, it's, if you're all the way in gate seven, like, I can't remember. Maybe, maybe it could take up to two minutes, but I'm thinking like within about 30 seconds, everybody's moving. Um, the it's and you head out a lot of pavement. So let me, before I drive, like roll into that, let me just give a whole course overview then you pavement roll out. You've got a bunch of the Berkey ski trail. You've got a lot of fire roads and then you've got some ATV trail sections. And then there's, there's two climbs that people really refer to. So you, you, there's a lot, there's hills, but uh, there's the fire tower climb. And then there's the Berkey rollers climb that, that you'll hear people refer to. Uh, so we'll talk about those when I get to them. But this, this, this shouldn't take very long to go through here. Um, so anyways, the first section, and this is, this is interesting too. I did not realize this until I was just looking at the course maps. There's actually six aid stations and I had no idea. I knew of two of them. And after looking through them, I can remember three of them now. Uh, I guess I just didn't realize they were there, but I mean, I remember there are people and stuff there and I just, I guess it didn't hit me. Didn't register that there's, there was aid stations there. Um, I, I've never, the three times I've done this race, even my first one, I did not plan on aid station support at all. I like had everything with me that I was racing with. And, um, the very first year I did it, I did stop into the aid station at mile 30 something. Cause I was, I was toasted. I was, came into that thing on, on fumes. I was, I was walking a little bit prior to it. Um, but, uh, at any rate, you go from the start line to Mosquito Brook. You're like three and a half miles of pavement rollout. And I guess my biggest advice on the pavement rollout is pay attention to what you're doing. You're in a bike with 2,000 people. Um, I've seen it. Like people get chit-chat and they're not paying attention. They turn around and not not watching in front of them. Somebody slows down a little bit and then they're brake checking. So I've, I've seen some close calls for sure. Um, and I have seen people... See, people down on the pavement. Uh, so just, just for everybody's safety, pay attention to what you are doing. So you're the, you're going to get rolled out of town. You're too wide. The, the, you know, the road shut down or two, two lanes wide to get the whole road, uh, on highway 77, about three and a half miles in you make a left. Uh, if you've worked your way up through some of the traffic leading up to that, just know that when you make that hard left, it's, it's going to bottleneck. 
So from my experience, starting gate seven, five, and four, the further up you start and the further you work your way forward, the less of the bottleneck there is, obviously. But um, even when I started in gate four, it was bottlenecked when we made that turn. Um, I think if I remember correctly, the year I started in gate five, like we were almost to a stop. Um, like, yeah, it, it just, it gets bottlenecked cause you go and everybody's, you're too wide on the pavement and then you go to like a little wider than a four wheeler wide trail, I think if I remember correctly. So that's what takes you up into Rosie's field and Rosie's field gets a little bit funny cause it's just like. I just remember it like it's really wide and people kind of start splitting all over and like, you know, going to pass and that kind of thing. Um, it can be, it's been wet in the past there too. Um, and then you head into the Berkey Beaner Ski Trail and you take that all the way to Mosquito Brook, which is where that first aid station is at. And that is at mile seven. And if I look at my time from the third year doing this, it was about 25 minutes to get there. And that the Berkey ski trails, it's, it's a lot of rollers. It's, there's no big climbs on it. You're, you gain elevation, um, for sure up till about mile five. And then, and then you, you drop elevation till you get to, uh, mile seven mosquito brook, but it's not a lot. I mean, you gain, you know, your elevation gain is about 400 feet for that first seven miles. Um, my, the big advice I have for the, that section of Berkey ski trail, it can be really frustrating. And if you follow my, my stuff, you've heard me talk about this before about how we all, we all have our own flow up and down hills. My experience has been the typical, like a big pack of people on hills is just, you just too many people They they coast down a hill and they wait till they're halfway up the next hill to start pedaling again. And if you start pedaling as you're coming, coming into the trough of there, at least, uh, every single hill, you'll just start picking off places, um, just carry, you got to carry that, carry, if you get some momentum, carry that momentum and get through there. Now that being said, traffic's pretty tight. So sometimes you just don't have the space. So just be on your toes, pay attention to what you're doing. Uh, I've seen crashes there too. Just people reaching for bottles and, and coming down a hill and, and just people crossing over wheels and stuff. So just, you gotta be on your toes. Um, and again, like I, like I mentioned earlier, the, the further you are up toward the front of the race, um, now I've never started at the front of the race, but, uh, like I said, my, my best starts always has been a gate four. Um, and that situation when I got through that area was definitely much better than it was when I had started in, in gate seven. Um, so you go through Mosquito Brook, you're still on a little bit of that same, same Berkey type trail. Um, and then you drop out on uh, Phipps Fire Lane. Okay. And so section two is not very long. Uh, according to my mileage chart, it was four miles, maybe shy of four miles from Mosquito Brook to the next aid station. Uh, like less than 13 minutes. And when you get out on Phipps Fire Lane, look around. You should have some people to work with on that. It's... It's kind of level Phipps, Phipps Flyer Lane is. I mean, there's a little bit of up and back down, but overall, I mean, I, I think it finishes going in to the aid station station downhill. You, you make like a sweeping right-hand turn, and then you're going to go up into more Berkey Trail. Um, not not a ton to, to say about that, but it is nice. You get through the, the Berkey Trail, and then you get out of some gravel, and it gives a chance to kind of, spread out a little bit because everybody everybody basically what happens is everybody gets in a line so you're going through the berkey trail like six seven eight wide and then you get out on the gravel and everybody forms lines and so when you hit the next section of berkey trail it's much much smoother so you're going to hit that next section of of berkey trail uh 
right around mile 11. And at that point, it's pretty good. So what I can tell you from my race experience is been, I've been on the hammer, um, if I remember correctly, every year. And I know the very last year I did it, I was, I was on the rivet, like hard the first, all the way to OO. Uh, I know there was some point that I, I looked down and was like, I, this, this might not turn out good. I, I thought I was going to, I thought I was going to blow myself up. I was, I was really, really close. Um, but it was just kind of one of those things just, I don't know, you get it racing hard and sometimes you just, you hear me or see me write about this and have heard me talk about it. Um, I just like to test and see how hard you can go out without blowing up. Sometimes you blow up, but that's how you find out what the limit is. Uh, so this third section, when you get back on, when you, when you come off of Phipps fire lane gravel road and you make that left onto the Berkey ski trail around mile 11, you've got till about mile 16 and a half to the OO crossing. And I believe it's all Berkey trail. If I remember correctly, um, but like I said, it's thinned out more because everybody kind of formed single file lines going up the gravel. Um, and uh, you'll by that point, you'll start kind of looking around and, and figuring out who you're going to work with a lot on the race. You know, people, there's like you'll start seeing some people starting to work together. Um, coming through the OO crossing, that aid station, I definitely remember. I just always remember there being like hand ups out and um, all that kind of stuff. My wife and kids will always, always get to that one. Um, my wife's always said is just kind of like a tip is so the third year we did the race, like I said, she did not wait around in Hayward for the race to start. She took off cause she was able to, um, get parked and she actually like drove in and was able to turn around. So when she left OO, she was like pointed out, may just make it easier to get out of there. Um, but from a timing standpoint, um, she's had to basically, when I come through OO, by the time she like, you know, packs the kids back up in the truck and all that kind of stuff and drives all the way to Telemark resort, finds a parking spot at Telemark, gets kids out and all that kind of stuff. Like she barely, you know, she won't be there. She won't be to the finish line very long, um, before I get there. Like she's said that like the, the leader's would, would, would be there through already, or maybe they're just coming through and she, she gets to telemark. Um, so after you come through the O crossing, there's a, I think it's a little bit of Berkey trail, not much. And then you come out on it's uh Janet road. And I just remember that being the place that I would like take some feed at, uh, because it's, it's, uh, it's a little like leveled out slightly downhill. Um, it, it does start working its way back uphill, but it's not a very steep, steep grade. And I'm looking at my, my file right now. That's around the 18, 18 mile mark. And I'm now, oh, so in 2015, I was moving at around 14 miles an hour on it. But I do remember I was like, that's where I'd take like a gel and that kind of stuff. And, um, you kind of start looking around a little bit, but it's, it's not much gravel at all. So it's not a place that you're like, Oh, let's all join up and work together because it's, it's not a very long section and what, ha and then you take a left, um, um, into, um, yeah, this is, this is the section. So you take a, you take a left into like a two track. And if I remember correctly, there's like a couple of mud holes and stuff in it and they actually take you up through some little like single track in the woods to kind of around the the mud holes and we're talking like 20 30 yards long is all and then you hit what it basically is like the narrowest part of the entire race but it is not a single track it's it's like atv wide trail uh but people ride it right up the middle like it's single track so all three years i've done this race this is the this is the point of the race. I guess I always like, I think that like people forget that some people are trying to race it. Um, and I don't, I don't mean this in like a, 
I don't know. I, I guess my, my point being is it's, it's weird. The first year I did this, I remember it being plenty wide enough for too wide. And like some sections I, I, you could almost fit three, but like everybody kind of like they get in the line and they don't really cheat all the way to the one side. The first year I did it, there was like a total washed out sandy section on the left. And I was on a 26 inch rigid, or at least, well, rear rigid front suspension, only hardtail, like an 80 millimeter travel, 26 inch. And my bike handling skills definitely were not good at that time. Um, if you follow along, you know that I always talk about my like bike handling skills need to improve. They've drastically improved since then. And they're still not that great. I mean, that's what slowed me down at wilderness was riding rocks and, uh, well, and, and the 30 minute climbs, but yeah, I mean, when you get really technical, I, I get slowed down on that stuff a lot. Uh, so going back, whatever this was four years ago now, uh, be five, five, yeah, five races ago. So it's the first time I did it and I haven't done the race. This will be the second year in a row, not doing it. Um, yeah, I, like you can pass people through there. Don't be afraid to pass. There's room. Um, and people don't like it for some reason. I've, I don't, I don't remember. I remember there being something the first year when I went to pass, like somebody said something, um, like just kind of a smart aleck remark about, um, you know, going. And then I remember the second year I just sat in, in during that spot. I didn't try to pass during that area. Um, I don't know. I, I had pushed pretty hard the first section and it was kind of just trying to take a little recover. So I just sat in the line or whatever. I remember, you know, a guy trying to pass and somebody behind me, like, um, really sarcastically saying like, you want it, buddy, you can have it, go for it. And, and, uh, like just frustrated the guy with the pass. And I was, it's like some, it's a race. This guy's trying to pass. So I remember the guy's response was that was passing was actually something. I think it was like, um, I guess we just have different plans, buddy, or something like that. But I just, I don't know why people get frustrated in that spot. Like if people, if people want to pass, like I'm let them like, um, yeah, I don't know what the problem was. The third year I did it, um, I tried passing through there was like yelling out on your left. I'm on, on your left. Like people just didn't, didn't want to like move over. And I remember, um, when I was coming by one, one guy, he got like, like freaked out that somebody was coming by him and kind of got all shaky. And then the guy, a guy behind like yelled out something like, geez, man, you know, I know it's a race, but you know, take somebody out. And I'm like, you know, never touched anybody. And somebody yelling out, called me called me turbo or something like that. But anyways, that's a, I I have to share that stuff. It's not like a rant or anything like that, but this is like a really good race. But for some reason, just that section right there. um, I think it's because like the entire race is like gravel, gravel fire roads and really, really, I mean, the, the Berkey ski trail is like wider than the gravel roads actually. So I think the whole race is like the trail is so wide that when you get into that ATV trail section, like like everybody kind of gets like, like they're riding single track and it's not at all. It's, it's fully wide for two people. So, um, anyways, you, you come out of there and you, you drop back out on some gravel road again. Um, it's called Bodecker road. And if I remember correctly, you're on some gravel for quite a while after that now. Uh, in fact, this section that I'm talking about right now from the OO aid station, which is aid station number three to aid station number four, which I believe is where the cutoff time is at there. I think there might be like a two hour and 45 minute cutoff time. Um, and it's basically, I think when you cross like Telmark, Telmark road or something like that. But anyways, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of gravel. So here, this is where you're going to want to find some people to, um, work with, but, um, yeah, a lot of gravel. And it took me, let's see, about 40 minutes to cover, cover that section. And I, again, I, I don't remember that aid station or exactly where it's at. So I just, on my charts, I kind of just cut it off at Telemark road. And what I'll do is, 
Uh, if you look in the show notes page, which would be endurancepath.com slash podcast slash episode 10, uh, I'll leave screenshots of my course breakdown from eight station, eight station. I, I won't really have any descriptions in there like I do in like the race reports, but since the race report that I wrote for this two years ago did not have a lot of detail and it's not broken down by course, I'll at least put all these screenshots in the show notes for the podcast so you can refer to them. Um, but anyways, the, yeah, there's always like, you always find, find some folks to work with on the gravel. Um, you go through that. And so let's, let's, we'll go on to this next section. This is where it kind of gets fun. So, um, by this time too, things, things are getting really spread out. Even if you were, were started in gate seven, things are, things are pretty spread out by now. Um, like I said, that's the last point of, well, you get bunched up, I guess, at fire tower, but, um, people are a lot more patient there. Cause it's, it's the, it's like, that's the, the big, big climb. So, um, yeah. So you come through, uh, that aid station four, wherever that cutoff time's at. Um, I, I think you're on some, it's, I don't know if it's gravel or it's, uh, two track four wheeler trails. I think it's pretty wide though. I think it's gravel dirt through the woods. Uh, and then you make a hard right and that's where you head up fire tower and it fire tower kind of comes in like, like two, two levels. Um, and when, so the first year I did it, it's, I think I had, I had walked it and it was, um, I didn't see barely anybody riding it. Um, there were some, some folks kind of picking their way up through it. So it's, it's basically wide enough for, you know, like a side-by-side ATV or whatever. Uh, so it's, it's, it's actually wide enough, um, for three people. If, if the third, if the third rider knows what they're doing. Um, so usually what you'll see is a line walking on one side, another line riding on the other side. And then if somebody's really antsy, they'll ride up through the middle. It's just, it has that like two track crown and it's a little loose. So it's, um, if you're going to cut up the middle, you got, you, you got to know how to handle your bike on the hill at slow speed. Um, it's just, it's one of those climbs that like, so as soon as somebody like falls off or dabs or does like is struggling. It just, it takes out everybody. So that's why the further you are back in the race, the more likely it is you're going to walk it, even if you can climb it just because you might get stopped and it's just hard to get going again in, in the terrain. Uh, it levels off at some point about halfway up. So there was one year that I, and I, I can't remember which year it was, but maybe that was, uh, maybe it was the last year I did it. Um, I think I dropped my chain or something or uh, something happened with my, my shifting headed up. Uh, oh, I didn't, I think I don't, I don't think I had the limit screw set on my rear derailleur, um, uh, was off and I, I shifted off the top of my, um, granny gear on the back. And, uh, but it was, it, it was in that leveled off area. I was able to get, get going again. Um, at the top of this, it might be where the pirates are at. I honestly can't remember because it's been a couple of years. Um, there's obviously, there is definitely people up there yelling and stuff though. Um, so after you get up fire tower, stay in the gas, you get up the top of it, just give yourself a few extra pedal strokes over the top. Um, cause you get to go downhill and it's, it's actually, I think it's pretty fast if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, it is. I'm looking at, it's like 26 miles an hour spot I'm picking out right now on my, on my old GPS files. So you, you, you come down that and I think it's like ski trail, like narrower ski trail or some ATV trail. Not, I'm not quite sure what it's used for. Um, but it, I mean, not like single track at all. I mean, it's still like wide. Um, then, uh, at some point 
you come back out and I believe this is what is referred to as the Berkey rollers, if I'm remembering correctly. And I'm looking at my elevation profiles right now, uh, but you're going to climb, oh, a couple hundred feet. It's not, it's not really that, that bad. Um, I guess it, it, it feels like it just goes on forever and ever. You'll go up a roller and then you hit another one. Somewhere in there, there's an aid station. I believe it's at the top of the Berkey rollers. Yeah, so it'd be around aid station 32, 33. And that is the very the very first year I did this. That's where I was, I'd cracked. Um, I, I don't know what it was, fueling right or just done. Um, I, I had to walk some of the Berkey rollers. Um, I remember coming into, <laughs> I remember coming into that aid station and, um, yeah, I, it was, uh, I just like stood there handed my water bottle to fill up and I just started like eating donut holes and the bananas at the end. It took me a few minutes. I, it was weird. Like I was just, I was toasted. I was done. And then, uh, I came to like, I, like all of a sudden I got my energy back and I was, was able to ride hard into the finish. Um. But yeah, so after you make it up those Berkey rollers, it's like home stretch from there. Um, so now you're at mile 32, 33 after you finish the Berkey rollers. Um, so that section that I had just talked about from the cutoff time to the next edge station at the top of the Berkey rollers uh, was about 28 minutes the third time I had done the race. So from there, you're... This next section was gravel roads. And I believe believe it was all gravel roads. Um, not very long, about four miles. I've, I'm seeing like 13 minutes the last time I did it. Uh, you should probably still have some people around you that you had been working with. I mean, it, it obviously continues to thin out as the race goes on. But I know the third year I did this, uh, I was riding with a guy that I think he was all the way up from Georgia. And he'd done the race just like year after year after year. But I had been riding with him since probably like mile five. I think he had started in a, a, a gate or two in front of me. He might have been like a gate three starter. And uh, I think he had a mechanical or a crash or something going across Rosie's field. Uh, but we, we ended up riding together. But the third year I did this, I started I started in gate four, but by the time I finished, I was catching some like gate two people and and whatnot, um, and and definitely in with a in with some uh, some of the gate some some gate three folks, um, but uh, yeah, so that section you come out of that, and you are just about done. I mean, it's, it's all downhill. It's about five miles. Uh, I don't even remember that aid station, but it, I believe it is where there is some type of a split between the 17 mile race and the 40. Cause like the 17 actually starts in cable. It joins up with some of the 40 mile race and then splits back off again, I believe. Um, but from there, I mean, you're like three miles to the finish. It's uphill. Um, so you're going to climb it's on ski trail and it's weird. It kind of comes up on you fast. So you're, you're going to be working. It's going to catch up on you because you're, you're going uphill the whole time. And then it like every time I, I, I think I swear I remember this is like you, you pop out at the top of the telemark resort ski hill and, and you're like, dang it. I was closer than I thought because you it's, you're in that point where you you know you've been pushing and racing and then you, you you keep since you've been you've been going uphill you keep thinking like oh man maybe maybe it's a little bit further a little bit further and all of a sudden you like kind of pop over and you hear a bunch of noise and then you're there and you're like ah oh, I should have been pushing harder the last mile it's bomb down the ski hill and it's I mean it's not like a monster ski hill um, looking at elevation, you're, you know, it's not even 200 foot drop. I don't think from top to bottom 
Uh, but you pretty much do get to just bomb down it. Um, uh, might be it is more than that. No, yeah, I don't think it's even 200 feet. Uh, but you you bomb down it, make a banked left. Um, it's all you know flagged off, and you can see kind of the party going on at the finish line. People are just lined up all down both sides of it. It's 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 a really awesome finish. And actually, um, for it's probably one of the best race finishes out of all the races I've ever done. Um, Lutzen 99 is a cool race finish too, up at the very top, everybody like cheering and shouting, but the, the check 40 finish coming down the ski hill. I mean, there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, it's, that's a pretty awesome finish. Cause you get to go downhill speed. Uh, there is like a little bit of an uphill just, just before like, I don't know, maybe like a hundred yards before the finish, you kind of like stand up and carry your momentum over it and then head across the finish line. Um, it's a, it's a great race. I mean, like I, I remember starting at the start line next to somebody, I think the last year that I did it and they were like, I've been, I thought they'd said something seven years, nine years, I don't know how many years in a row they'd been coming to it. And, um, they were like, what, you know, what better thing to do than I get to come and hang out, ride with 2000 of my best friends. And, and, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. It's a good time. Like we've afterwards too. So they used to, they used to have like a bunch of kids stuff and family stuff like the next day. Uh, but the last year that I did it, they moved it to the Saturday and it was happening after the race. My kids had fun. They had like, they had their bikes there and they had a little kids race, but then they had like, uh, Oh, they had like log poles and limbo things on bikes and just kind of different, uh, um, things for the kids to do on their bikes, little challenges, like a little bike challenge course. And I was my the kids had a good time. We, we hung out and, and, uh, stuff, man, they got food and beer and, and, uh, the really cool thing about this race too, is they have like shower tents set up and, um, so like you can actually get cleaned up and everything and hang out versus having to like go, you know, back to your hotel and camp and clean up and then come all the way back. So it really helps because you get, you know, how you get those races where you get to the finish and then you're like, well, I got to go back to camp or hotel, get a shower. And then you, you go back, get cleaned up and then you just play party. It doesn't feel like going back to the race venue again. So this one's like pretty cool. Cause, and I think they'll even give you a drop bag so you can have like clean clothes and that they take to the finish line for you. I've never utilized it because my, my wife's always, my wife and kids have always been with some, you know, my wife just, uh, had, had my, my bag with clean clothes. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a pretty cool setup. If you've never done it, totally recommend getting out there. Um, like I said, I, I haven't, I'm not, I didn't do it last year and I'm, I'm not going to do it this year, but it's, it's not cause I don't like the race. It's cause I'm doing the Margie guess the weekend after. And I, I, I could do them both. I just, um, I, I also, I mean, I can't tie up every weekend racing as well. Um, with, I mean, everybody else, you, you all know, I've got family, wife, kids, or, you know, women racers, husband, kids. Um, it's, you, you know, you got other stuff you got to do. You can't, can't tie up racing every weekend. So, um, I'm sure I'll get back to it at some point. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning, but it's just, there's, there's a couple of the races I'd really like to do in uh september uh there's i i like doing new races and i've it's uh so but at some point i really would like to go back and do the check 40 again because i uh i i know i can i can go i can go faster um so i guess i i'll i speak to that i guess real quick the first year i did it i finished in three hours and 12 minutes um that was the first time i'd done a race in since we've been about 11 years or so. So that was 2013. I had, I did not do any mountain bike race in 2000. Well, it was an adventure triathlon. There was like a, a 15 mile mountain bike portion of it, but that was, so in 2002. And then I, that was through the years where I'd like kind of got lazy, gained weight and got totally out of shape. Went long, long periods of time without riding my bike at some point, like 
I mean, I might have went a couple of years at a time without riding a bike. At some point, I got the bike back together. I only rode it a few times a year. Um, and then, that, you know, to where I finally got back in shape again. I think I only, I did not get back in shape by riding the bike. I got back in shape uh, with diet and working out and actually had started running, but then decided to get, get, get a bike back out. And, uh, I think I only rode like 700 miles the year that I did, uh, the, the check 40 here for the first time in 2013. Uh, so in 2000, so the second time I did it in 2014, I finished in two hours and 39 minutes. Um, it was, it was, I think it was fast that year. The leaders were definitely faster. Um, I think if I remember correctly in my race report, um, that I had mentioned it, the course being a little bit shorter because they had to cut out some of the Berkey trail because of the water issues that year. However, I had claimed that it probably wasn't any faster because there was a big mud hole that we basically all got like stood up and had to wait, wait in line to get around at some point. Um, but I don't know. So I, was, I finished in two hours and 39 minutes then. And then in 2015, I finished in two hours and 34 minutes. Um, so the winners for this race will finish, the leader will finish somewhere in the oh, 202, 206, somewhere around that, I think. Um, but yeah, it's a good race. Uh, hope you found this helpful. Again, podcast at endurancepath.com. If you have any tips, thoughts, anything you want to want to say to me. Um, and again, uh, appreciate, uh, heading to iTunes, leave a, leave a review there and, uh, um, you know, pass it around. If you know somebody that might find this, find this useful and, uh, Instagram endurance path under, I'm sorry, endurance underscore path is, uh, the Instagram Hamlin SM on Twitter. There is an endurance path account out there on Twitter. I just, I haven't used it in long, long time. Just, I use the Hamlin SM and, uh, Facebook, of course it's endurance path on Facebook. That one's a pretty easy, easy find. And you can always message me on Facebook as well. That's it. Later.